Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in my home studios in beautiful South Bend, Indiana, and sitting across from me in his home studio in Portland, Oregon, is the man who invented the Pringle, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> How you doing, Ken? I am well. Yeah, one of my greatest achievements. It truly is. <laughs> Not only do you get to rejoice at the fact that you're eating a tasty, you know, formed potato uh, snack, but you also get that can afterward. You can do lots of fun things with the Pringles can. <laughs> I mean, I don't That's know. Right. I don't know any things you can do, but you get this awesome tube. You know, you could probably use it to build sandcastles or something. Oh, that's an excellent idea. Sand towers, like a tower. And, uh, you, yeah, yep, you yep. Know. that would make a monster play-doh tower as well if you were to stuff it with play-doh. <laughs> you know what we've that's just right. done? We've actually managed to to uh, get two products that would be happy. We'd be happy to have as sponsors here on Living Stones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So if you're out there, Play-Doh and Pringles people, just, uh, just you know, contact the station. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a, a little bit of uh, uh, news here. I just found out that uh, my book, Our Life of Service, took uh, third place in its category for the uh, Association of Catholic Publishers Excellence in Publishing Awards. Congratulations. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, thank you very much. I saw that it yeah, had been nominated. The, uh, in the uh, is this in yeah. like the the ministry um, category? Yes, resources for ministry. So I ended up uh, tying uh, with third place with a book called Foundations for Discipleship from Focus. Fantastic! Oh man, yeah. that's yeah. a wonderful recognition of not only uh, you know the work that you put into it, but also the importance of of deacons in, in the life of the church, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's pretty exciting. I don't think I've won anything before. So, and I mean, since I've been speaking and stuff. So, yeah. Well, so that's that does cool. it. The award-winning Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, co-host <laughs> of Living Stones. What a fantastic! Uh, uh, well, obviously, it's a discerning uh, publishing group to give an award uh, to you. Uh, but, uh, but you know, we had a chance, of course, in in uh, previous episodes to go through the book and to kind of explore some of the ideas in your book, Our Life of Service, the Handbook for Catholic Deacons. And so we, of course, as you might imagine, we heartily endorse this book by Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, <laughs> but uh, it is a fantastic resource. So congratulations, Deacon. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. That's exciting. Appreciate it. Well, we are, uh, you know, last week when we gathered, we began a new series discussing the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. We uh, speak about the Holy Spirit every week when we recite the Creed, every time we pray the Apostles' Creed as we're praying our Rosary or, or our Divine Mercy Chaplet. But we are going to spend the next number of weeks kind of diving deep into the theology and the gift that is the life of the Spirit in our lives and in the life of the Church. So that this is a, a fun um, and potentially never-ending topic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And, right. uh, you know, and God has existed from 
all eternity. So we can never exhaust the beauty and the richness of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Well, last week when we kind of uh, we kind of gave just a brief, a broad overview uh, of the the Holy Spirit and kind of how we relate to the Holy Spirit uh, and how the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ and prompts us and gives us the the gift of faith uh, and then that feeling of uh, those feelings and promptings that lead us to prayer and to profession of faith and things like that. So. Where do we want to begin tonight, Deacon? We also talked a little bit about divine revelation, how how the Spirit reveals God's self to us. But uh, where should we begin, Deacon? Well, why don't we start with um, baptism, right? Because that kind of initiates us into the to, into the life of faith. Absolutely. Um, we we talked about before how you know Christ is the visible image of God, as the Catechism says, but it's the Spirit who reveals Him. And I think I mentioned last time the only way then we could come to know. The truth of Jesus is with the Holy Spirit. So, and, and it says, it belongs to the Holy Spirit, the Catechism says, to rule, sanctify, and animate creation, for he is God. Consubstantial, and there's the word that we use in the creed, mm-hmm. consubstantial with the Father and the Son. Consubstantial means that they share uh, the same nature, the same substance, the same essence and being. Power over life pertains to the Spirit. For being God, he preserves creation in the Father through the Son. That's really important, the, the creation piece. Why? In Genesis, Genesis uh, 2.9, that the Lord breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that word for breath is ruach, ruach in, in Hebrew. Uh, it literally, so God breathed the life. That's the Holy Spirit, the life-giving power of the Spirit. So we see the Trinity really on the first page of Scripture. The Father breathing the spirit, uh, breathing the word through the spirit and everything comes into being in existence. And so when we talk about baptism, we are, we become a new creation, a new creation in Christ. Right. We are, it was, we are baptized into his death. So baptism initiates us into the life of Christ. You know, the catechism paragraph 683 says that baptism gives us the grace of new birth in God, the father through his son in the spirit. So see, all the uh, persons of the Trinity act in all of the sacraments. So, for example, we talked about this before, Ken, in a different context. But sometimes you'll have people changing baptismal formulas, right? Or even the the sign of the cross. In fact, that was recently at an event where there was an invocation. And instead of saying in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, the person said in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, the redeemer and the sustainer wow and i was like okay that's not the trinity <laughs> right um those are job descriptions right <laughs> but, Modes, but that, even you. that's yeah. erroneous because each of the persons act in all of the sacraments so god i mean the father is not the creator god's a creator catechism we just we just heard it god creates all the persons of the trinity participate in the life-giving act yes the, the spirit is the one that enlivens, but it's but it's the father working through the son that generates that spirit. And it says it is impossible to see God's son without the spirit and no one can approach the father without the son. For the knowledge of the father is the son and the knowledge of God's son is obtained through the spirit. So in other words, the spirit leads us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to the father because Jesus himself says no one comes to the father except through me. The Father then gives us more of the Spirit, who moves us closer to Jesus, 
who moves us more deeply into the heart of the Father. You know, and that's kind of the way that relationship works. Kind of, uh, it's circular in a way. Uh, what was the old, uh, the term that was used in medieval theology? Uh, it was exitus and reditus. It, it flows from the Father and then draws us back in to the, to the Father. You know, the Father sends the Spirit through the Son. The Spirit draws us in, exhale, inhale kind of thing, in a way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Catechism goes on to say that through his grace, the Holy Spirit is the first to awaken faith in us and to communicate to us the new life, which is to know the Father and the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. To me, this is one of the fascinating aspects of conversion stories, especially people who, who were not Christians, who grew up either, um, you know, in a non atheist or maybe Jewish or a Muslim or something, and 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 what leads them to really accept the fullness of truth in Jesus Christ? You know, well, okay, I, I heard a talk that someone gave, or I read a book, or I saw this on, you know, I saw this documentary, whatever. That that may be the seed, but it's the spirit and responding to that Holy Spirit, um, responding to the the natural moral law that God has implanted in every single human being. And, but it's it's the spirit that draws us that 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 gets our minds working. Maybe, what, wait, wait a minute. There's something else going on. There's something deeper here. There's something that makes me want to explore this even more. So it's not a it's not a pushing away more uh, so much as as a drawing deep more deeply into the um, into the exploration of what is ultimately true, good, and beautiful. And I, and I love that. It's the Holy Spirit that's kind of the actor uh, in that process. So this is really uh, interesting for us to wrap our minds around, right? Because we often think of, you'll you'll hear uh, our brothers and sisters, particularly our Protestant brothers and sisters, describe, they'll say, well, you know, my life is, is in Christ, and it's me and Jesus. And yet what you're describing here, Deacon, and what the Catechism of the Catholic Church is describing is, no, it's actually us and all of God, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit that is drawing us into the life, the interior life of the Trinity. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. It's the Spirit, because when we respond to God calling, we're responding to the Spirit. Like, when I first had the, I remember when I was uh, 12 or 13, and had that, this thinking that God might be calling me to the priesthood, there was a, a pull, a tug, an attraction you know, there was something there that was drawing me. There was something there that was leading me. And eventually that would lead me into monastic life. And then, of course, into marriage and the diaconal ministry. It's the same thing like you, Ken. Like when you, you know, when the job came available at Notre Dame, you know, there was a discernment, right? There was a discernment. There was a process of saying, is this, not only is this the right fit for me and all of that, but is this what God is calling me to? Right. And it's the spirit. That helps us to discern God's will. And the Spirit also works through others, through the people that are around us, in order to prompt them to help you discern. I mean, you know, as you said, in my case, you know, this position uh, became available. But I, being a married man, of course, had to discuss this and to discern this call with my wife and with our family and friends who who helped us to understand, is this 
the right move for us. And that's actually the work of the Spirit, the Spirit actually prompting the hearts of the people around us to help us discern more deeply. Yes, absolutely. So it's a beautiful thing. And uh, so no, there, there is no life apart from God and the Holy Spirit, who is the agent and mediator of God's life. You know, so we think about, you know, a child in a womb, a baby, you know, that, that beautiful gift of life and, and all its different aspects. It's amazing. And how we respond to the Spirit, I think, uh, shows how deeply we respond to, to God working in our lives, making more room in our souls, uh, being more open to hearing God's voice in the Holy Spirit. You know, and and, yes. and I think in order to effectively do that, you have to be quiet, right? right. We, we talked about this before, the adoration, the, the, the stillness and the silence, so we can, uh, in a sense, block out all the distractions that are not of the Spirit, so that we can, in a sense, soak in the silence of the Spirit to really listen carefully to how God is, is speaking to us. Yeah, this idea of being drowned out, of having the still small voice of the Lord drown, being drowned out by the distractions of our daily life, you know, um, while you were saying that deacon, I was checking Twitter, you know, so no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't, but, but that's an example of really what happens in our lives, right? We, we allow ourselves to be, to think, well, I'm going to be engaged in this right here and I can multitask. And yet when we multitask, when we don't take time for silence, when we don't take time for prayer and simply listening and sitting and soaking in God's presence, God becomes just another bit of the noise that surrounds us all day long. And that's uh, that's sad. And yet we we embrace it so often. That's so true. And and this is nothing new. What you're talking about is nothing new, Ken. We, we see this all throughout the Old Testament. The Spirit has spoken through the prophets, right? right? right. The, the prophet is someone who's authorized to speak the Word of God, to, in a sense, speak on God's behalf. This was someone who God sent to send his message and his truth to the people. And what did the people do? They killed the prophets. They exiled the prophets. They turned their backs on the prophets because the prophet was speaking truth. Sometimes it's a truth that they don't want to hear. Yes. You know, they don't want to hear it. And so they, they, instead of in humility, acknowledging that, okay, we have to change things here and turn back to God. They said, now we want to keep doing what we're doing, kill the prophet. You know, so, and, and there's consequences for that, you know, um, you know, if, if sometimes we, we, we make mistakes based on emotions and feelings. And, you know, I, in fact, I just had a friend of mine call me to, cause he wanted to discern whether he should, you know, this, this new job became available, but, but he, he had this angst because he wasn't really passionate about it. It was in a position that he would be good at, but he wasn't, his heart wasn't in the product that this company was selling. Mm. But I mean, the he has eight kids, Ken. So the benefits, the money, well, he was getting 30% more salary. You know, the family's kind of struggling now, you know, financially with the, with the eighth kid just being born. And so he thought, okay, so his initial thought was, okay, the money, you know, the commute is half of the commute daily, what he has now, everything was looking good, but the, his heart wasn't there. The passion wasn't there. So like you said, Ken, he needed someone to help him discern. And so and so he called me and we and we talked through the whole thing and and ultimately he uh he did not take the job. Wow. And he and he felt so he said he I felt such a great peace, you know, after uh after that decision. Wow. 
a lot of pressure on you as the uh, as the one who, in a way, is cooperating with the spirit in your own life to provide advice and to be a mouthpiece, if you will, um, so that the Holy Spirit can help your friend discern. Yeah, exactly. I would not want to be an actual prophet for the Lord. I'm just going to tell you that because these guys had it tough. Not only is the message that they are sent um, not something that the people want to hear, but the demands that are made on them to even deliver that message, as we read in the scriptures, in both the Old and the New Testament, those who prophesy, those who speak God's word are persecuted. And like we think about Isaiah, you know, having to lay on his side for 90 days. And I don't remember how many days it was, but, and then he had to flip onto his other side and they, God sends the prophets to deliver these messages in a fashion that seems to us rather outlandish. Why is that so? Because it gets our attention, because it wakes up the people. So the prophets had a had a rough go of it. I mean, Jonah didn't even want to be a prophet. He ran away. And because he's like, no, Lord, no, not me. Moses himself said, why are you picking me? I can't even speak well. You know, and so God, of course, always has a plan. He's like, well, uh, I'm going to you're going to use Aaron to speak and you just do my job. You do what I'm sending you to do. (laughs) That's so true. Hosea, read Hosea sometime. There's a story. Hosea, who is sent by the Lord to marry a prostitute, to marry a woman who was unfaithful to him because that marriage symbolized Israel's relationship with God in the covenant. And God said, look, I am sending you, Hosea, to marry Gomer, who will be unfaithful to you, just like my people are unfaithful to me. It's quite a story. Oh, it certainly is. (laughs) That's a great one. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paul says in Galatians, by the power of the Spirit, God's children can bear much fruit. So, you know, in baptism, the seed is planted, and, and we have to then, as we mature, as we grow older, we have to bear fruit. You know, um, it says, he who has grafted us onto the vine will make us bear the fruit of the Spirit. And we know what those fruits are. We're going to talk about these later, in, in later episodes in more detail. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we live by the Spirit. So meaning the more we renounce ourselves, the more we walk in the Spirit. You know, I love that. And I've said this before. It's when you when you give yourself away in love is when you truly find yourself in God. And it's that spirit that allows that process to happen. You know, and at that dying to self, you know, and living for others. That's that's the essence of covenant relationship. Yes. But that's the key is cooperating with the Holy Spirit, saying yes to what God wants to do in your life, just like the prophets did, even though it meant suffering. Mm-hmm. See, and, and I think that's the key why people are often afraid to listen to God or afraid to respond to the Holy Spirit, because it means they have to maybe go through something painful, you know, like, like healing from a hurt from the past or asking for forgiveness for something that you did that really hurt someone. That's difficult to do, but it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us to reconciliation and forgiveness uh, because it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to recognize that we could be vehicles of God's mercy in someone else's life. That call is, as you say, it's, it can be very painful. We are forced to swallow our pride and, and to live a life of humility. And yet the reward, I mean, I don't want to say that this is simply a, I invest this and get this back kind of situation, 
what it is, is actually allowing us to be more fully, authentically who we are. When we embrace humility, when we ask forgiveness, when we offer forgiveness, we are actually being more authentically Christian. We are being more authentically Christ-like. We have been baptized into Christ, and we are taking on his attributes, and we are empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, as, as you quoted before, you know, directly from the Catechism, there is no life apart from God, and the Holy Spirit is the agent and mediator of God's life. And so the more we enter into this life and release our will in a way, you know, the more we will to do God's will, the more authentically free we are. We're no longer tied to these hurts that we are holding on to out of pride and out of a fear that we are going to be laughed at. If we can release those, we experience a freedom and we can experience the great joy of being forgiven. I had the opportunity earlier today, I ran into a priest friend of mine walking across campus, and he was on his way to celebrate his his uh, daily mass, and I tagged along with him. I said, you know, may I, uh, may I assist at mass? And it was the two of us praying together in a chapel, and it was experiencing the great gift of Christ to himself, nourishing his people. This is a Tuesday, you know, just a regular weekday, being able to go to Mass and experience God's love and to hear the word of the Spirit proclaimed in the Scriptures and to see the action of the Holy Spirit who gets called down upon the elements when he, when he says, send this same Spirit to sanctify these gifts, to make them holy. That's called the epiclesis at Mass. The priest invokes the Holy Spirit, asks God to send the Spirit upon these gifts, and they are then transformed into the body and blood of Christ, which nourish us. This is the action of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our daily life, in the sacramental life of the church. I think it, um, this might be a great time to kind of explore where do we encounter the Spirit in our lives? You know, so like I just said, in the liturgy we do, we encounter the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, the scriptures which the Holy Spirit inspired. We encounter, and this is all from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 688. We encounter the Spirit in the tradition to which the Church Fathers are always timely witnesses. You, As you pointed out last week, Deacon, I love reading the Fathers and Doctors of the Church. The Fathers of the Church are these men and women and religious and priests and bishops and lay people who have reflected deeply upon the Lord's action in their lives. And particularly, the fathers of the church are those who oftentimes gave their lives for the witness to the gospel. And this can only be done, they can only have that courage as a gift of the Holy Spirit in their own lives. And that comes from reflecting deeply upon the action of the Spirit in their lives. The Catechism goes on to say that we encounter the Spirit in the Church's magisterium, which he assists. You know, the gates of the netherworld will never prevail against the Church because the Spirit animates our action, our teaching, and keeps the magisterium, the teaching authority of the Church, faithful to Christ, and reveals ongoing, reveals the truths of the faith to the Church. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, We also encounter the Spirit in prayer, and we're going to talk deeply about how we encounter the Spirit in prayer uh, 
as we continue in this series. So I don't want to go too deep in, in right now, but to say that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer, prompts us, and then gives us the very words that we need in order to have effectful, uh, effective and fruitful prayer. We uh, become a mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit when we utter these prayers and when we enter into relationship with God through prayer. We also encounter the Spirit in the charisms and ministries by which the church is built up. St. Paul particularly talks about these charisms and how they are specifically for the upbuilding of the church. The gift of tongues is not just something for showing off. The gift of tongues is that the gospel might be preached to the ends of the world. The gift of interpretation of tongues, so that what is said is not simply falling upon deaf ears. Uh, The gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, all of these great charisms which St. Paul talks about are uh, manifestations of the Spirit in our Christian experience. We also see the Spirit working in the signs of apostolic and missionary life. That is, in the very preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth, that work is done because the Spirit impels us to the ends of the earth. The Spirit sends us forth to preach the gospel to all peoples in all times and in all nations. And that is what happens when you encounter a missionary. You're encountering somebody who is responding to the, uh, to the work of the Holy Spirit, the invitation and the very sending forth of the Spirit. And finally, we encounter the Spirit, as the uh, Catechism says, in the witness of the saints through whom he manifests his holiness and continues the work of salvation. The work of the communion of saints are very brothers and sisters in Christ who handed on the faith to us and whom, whose successors we are and whom we are called to join as saints. This is all done by the encounter and by the life of the Holy Spirit in the church. Wow, that, that's so deep and so rich and one of the things I want to just draw out is that the you know because up until your your wonderful comments there, Ken, from the catechism, we were talking about kind of the Holy Spirit in our relationship. Yeah, but it's broader than that. You know, there's the Holy Spirit and is the life of the church, the, and it, it impels this missionary activity to go out and witness to Christ, to share the good news with others. It's the Holy Spirit that impels us to do that. You know that that we're called by by our baptism. That's how that's how we respond. Uh, to our faith, to the the graces received in the sacrament, by making people, uh, by making Christ known to other people, like you said, all over the world. So to help them come into deeper communion and union with God. Again, that's one of the ways that we that we bear much fruit um, as well. So that's that's awesome. This is a beautiful evangelizing mission that the Spirit calls us to. Absolutely. Well, Deacon, we have actually come to the end of our time tonight uh, because. In the spirit, we have we have preached to and with one another and ran out of time, as is our custom. But uh, we invite you to connect with us on Facebook. We're at Living Stones Media. You can also download previous episodes of the show at moderndayradio.com. But uh, Deacon, until we gather next week, might we invoke the Holy Spirit and have a blessing? Sure. May Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M A T E R D E I radio.com.